What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameri Braid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameri Braid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What's going on, everybody? We're back again. I'm Ryan Coakley, Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. Here, as always, with Noah Bloomberg of the Anyout River Forge. And this is Shark Week, everybody. We got Sharky in the house. How's it going, buddy? What's up, everybody? It's going fantastic. I am literally just putting two and two together that it is actually Shark Week, and I'm on the show, so that's super awesome. <laughs> I did not plan that. That just kind of happened. Serendipity. Fantastic coincidence. I love it. I don't watch TV, so I didn't know that it was Shark Week. Before we roll into everything, before we came on, we were talking about a mare braid. And it just so Mm. happens they're the opening ad of the show. And Noah, you just, we've actually both recently got delicious deliveries from a mare braid. Why don't you tell everybody about what you got? I got my surface grinder. Sorry, uh, I got really excited when the FedEx guy showed up, and uh, I'm still excited about it because I got my surface grinding attachment from a mirror braid. And I think I should preface this by saying that I've never had another surface grinder, so I don't really have anything to compare it to. But I've I've seen other people's surface grinders. I've seen people using them, and I've heard people talking about them. And I feel like I can comfortably say that this is the daddy. This is. This is the Cadillac, the Cadillac of surface grinding attachments. This, this is the the primo one that exists on the market, and uh, I got to use it a little bit last night, and I've used it a little bit today, and it is phenomenal. I cannot wait uh, to see what a difference it makes for making my Damascus. Uh, just stacking up billets, be, you know, between forge welds. There's so much time that I spend grinding and up till now it's been me holding a chunk of Damascus on a magnet and just pressing it up against a flat platen, flattening it out, getting all the scale off and everything before restacking. And now all I got to do is stick it up there, click the magnet to on and just go back and forth. And it's going to be amazing that, and I'm really looking forward to surface grinding my blades after heat treatment because getting all those things perfectly flat. I mean, I can get them flat obviously, but perfectly flat has not been achievable up till now um and i was really impressed with um one thing i will say so if you guys buy anything from ameribraid after you get it go back onto the website where you bought it and scroll down because almost every single one of their products has a video like a, a an embedded youtube link in 
their their product where uh, Eric goes through and sets it all up and shows you like the easiest way to set it up. And I almost didn't do that. But when I got the the package open and everything, I was like, ah, I should probably I should probably look that up. And there was a couple of steps that I would not have thought. But what you actually do when you're setting up the surface grinder is you surface grind the chuck as you're setting it up to ensure that the chuck is perfectly um, perpendicular to the, uh, the the wheel. So everything's all perfectly flat before you put a workpiece on there because, you know, the wheel could be slightly different. The way that you mount the arm to the surface grinding attachment itself, that's not all exactly perfect. So you actually surface grind that chuck before you even stick a piece on there. So that was an important step. And, and Kevin's, sorry, not Kevin, Eric is really good at doing those videos to make everything really clear and precise. And I can just kind of watch what he's doing, pause the video, do it and go through there. So anyways, I'm really excited and I love their products. They're pretty fantastic about making a uh, easy setup product. Cause uh, I bought, I have one of the two by 48 tridents uh, that I use for my scale stuff. And man, that thing came fully assembled. It was, it's like was bolted onto a board within the box. So I just had to pull it out and I didn't even take it off of the board. I just bolted that board directly onto my workbench. I was like, nice. I take this off and then reattach it to something else. I'm just going to done. Good to go. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love about Ameribraid is even when I bought my frame, I mean, it was perfectly set up, ready to go. All I did was bolt a motor on and done. Like that was it. Um, the, the thing that shocked me the most when I, when I set up that thing was that like the tracking was set up almost perfectly out of the box. Like how does how does that even work? Like, how do you get that set up perfectly? And like, go ahead, Ryan. I think they run, I think they run them all. Do they run them all before they, even the bare frame? I think frame? they do. I think they do. I think they set them up and run them. That's I insane. could be wrong. I could be wrong. So Eric or Kevin reach out to me. Let me know if I'm an idiot, but yeah. I'm pretty sure they run them all. Yeah. Anyways, that's quality, that's... quality check. You got to go through te- quality testing. Well, maybe. But either way, that's the one thing that we always say about Ameribraid that we love is that like when you buy one of their products, like you're paying for that next level quality that comes out of the box ready to go. And especially with the Trident that Sharky has, I mean, that thing's like an all self-contained unit ready to go. I know I heard that um, from one of our other listeners that bought one. He got it, pulled it out of the box, and he was grinding just like immediately. Because even if you um, if you do just get something like that, a self-contained unit, they sell belts on their website as well. So, I mean, obviously we're sponsored by Phoenix, and I would love for you to go to Phoenix and stuff. But, I mean, if you just want to like get grinding immediately, you could just order everything that you need right off their website. It comes ready to go, and you're set up within like five minutes of it arriving at your door. I think my 2Boy 48 actually came with a belt on it. Oh, no kidding? Yeah, I think nice. it came with a 60 grit belt already on the on the uh, frame. Damn. So it's like, take it out of the box. I mean, I didn't even... So I started grinding on mine before I had even firmly attached it to my workbench. I just put some temporary clamps on real quick, and I, I wanted to try it. I, I just couldn't wait anymore. And cause, So I got mine uh, over Blade Show weekend last year. Okay. I think it was last year. 
Either last, yeah, last year, yeah, last year, because that's when the charter came out. And so I knew it was coming beforehand, but then I went to Blade Show. So the whole time I was at Blade Show, I was thinking about this thing that's sitting in my living room. Like it got there the day I left. Oh, and I was just, I was just waiting. So as soon as I got home, I was like, I am, I'm, I'm using this thing. So I threw it up on the bench, clamped it down, and I was already starting to sand stuff just to mess around with it. Kid in a candy nice. shop. Yep, we love tools. I've tried just about everybody on the market. I mean, when you're first starting out as a knife maker, you don't know who to go with and you don't have a whole lot of money to invest in it. So, you know, you'll get a piece here, a piece there, a piece everywhere. Well, the other day I got in the Ameribraid small wheel attachment with the fullering inserts and the waterfall platen. And it makes the other one I have look like a piece of shit. Like, I'm just like, like, I almost don't want to sell it. Because I'm like, man, who's gonna want that? <laughs> well, you got Not plenty of names, but you know, you got plenty of grinders. You can you can set it up on something else that you've got. That is true. That is true. Once I have an Ameribrade, I'll have three. So nice. Right on, guys. Well, hey, what's been going on in your guys' shop this week? Sharky, let's start with you. Oh, um, I am trying to get caught up uh, on life right now. <laughs> I have uh, so. My uh, my kids, as I call them, are actually technically my stepkids. So they go to BioDad's house for six weeks over the summer. And I was like, all right, I'm going to just crush it while they're gone. I'm going to get so much stuff done. And I got so many glue-ups done. But then life happened. I got a little behind, and I didn't finish any of the sets of scales. So I have something like 49 or so sets of scales that are fully glued up and ready Jeez. to go. I just have to square them and sell them. So speaking of some time on the grinder, that's what I'm going to be doing for like the next week because I got to get some drops out of here. I I just got too focused on one side of the process and I just was, wasn't doing finish work for some reason. So I got to get caught up on that and I got to hit some guys up and get some scales out for some of the guys getting ready for West because that really snuck up on me, but it's Blade West prep time and I owe some people some projects. So that's what I'm working on. Damn. That's, that's cool. Intense. So so the maker supplier end of the market is not like, does your lull in the season match our lull? Like we're in the slow period right now. So mine is, I would say my slow period is about a month and a half or just in general, my slow times and fast times are about a month and a half ahead of where the maker's slow times are. So, uh, you know, I started off the year okay, and then I would say right around April, things really slowed down for a little while. Um, it, right about, you know, as we were just heading into Blade Show uh, Atlanta, um, it all kind of, you know, bellied out for a little bit. And then after Atlanta, it starts picking up again. Um, and I, I'm, I feel like it's just starting to hit ste- full steam again right now as people start preparing for all the fall shows. Gotcha. That makes nice. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know a, a lot of, a lot of wood suppliers out there are not, not selling as much as they normally would. Um, still this time of year. The, yeah. I mean, the slowdown in the market is real. Uh, I get it. You know, there's people are worried about the economy and it's been a kind of a rough year financially for a lot of people with how much more expensive everything's gotten. Um, and you, uh, we can definitely feel it on the supplier end. There's, I see a lot of my sales moving from more of the high-end exotics towards the 
you know, a little bit more fiscally responsible side of things. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely been a little, little slower than it would have been this time last year, a lot less uh, impulse buys and that kind of stuff. A lot more guys buying specifically what they want and nothing more. Usually I'll get like with my non-combo materials, like my mono scales and the supply stuff that I have on the website, I w I'll get a lot of, we're like, oh, well, I'm already here buying these two things. So I might as well buy five things. Right. And why not? Right. Uh, and I'm getting a lot more of that this time of year. It's a lot of guys buying one set of scales at a time. So, and you know, that doesn't add up uh, shipping wise. So they're doing it because that's all they can do right now. Yep. I know that that's kind of where I've been lately as well. I've been trying to, uh, I had, I had tapered off my, my handle buying for a while there just because I wasn't actually getting knives out the door. And then I, for some reason decided to start buying more handle material again. And then now I'm like, wait, why did I do that? Now I'm, I'm still not selling any knives, but I'm just, I had to add an extra drawer in my, in my, my toolbox where I have all my handle material. And I'm like, okay, now I think it's time for me to make some knives now, actually, but hmm, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. One of these days I'll do a video tour of my shop and the hoarding problems that are held within there. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. I'm sure my three drawers are nothing compared to, uh, compared to your shop. My I buddy. Oh, totes. I have totes and totes of burl, like <laughs> so much yeah. wood. Ooh. It's okay. Speaking of, speaking of, large quantities of wood i recently got so one of the coolest guys that i met at blade uh from like a vendor standpoint was the is jarrett from high koa mm -hmm. just hi koa and he lives on the mainland i think i've talked about this on the show before but uh he, he's a super cool guy and i learned a lot about the different types of wood and different types of curl and and growth of the koa trees and everything from him and he recently put up some big boxes of unstabilized koa and i snagged one of those bad boys and so now i have to get it stabilized and i got it the other day and i'm just like oh i have so much koa this is amazing so i need to send that off to kng um get that stabilized but i've never done that before so i'm dragging my feet on it just because it's something that i've never done very before. easy it is a very easy process i send them hundreds of pounds of wood a year Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm super bummed. I saw those boxes and my bank account for this company was at zero at the time. Or else I would have snagged one too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not complicated. I can actually shoot you the link to their, the specific section. We used to fill out a form and send it in with it. So you ought to sell me a couple of them blocks before you ship them off. I might be persuaded to do that. That last, that collab knife I finished between us. Uh, yeah was a koa handle and that was the first time i'd used curly koa and i was like i love this stuff it's amazing oh yeah it's my favorite i love it so much it doesn't it's weird because it, it doesn't look like anything until you get it wet so it's just like a brown turd in your hand and then you wipe it and you're like oh my god it's awesome i've been taking some of the non-curly stuff because you know you always get some non-curly stuff in each of the shipment and i've been taking some of that and getting it dyed black and it only like partially takes the dye. So it's like a black and copper mix. And like all Koei, it still stays crazy shiny. It's a really nice accent to use with any of like the copper mine stuff, like any of Koi Baker's stuff. Mm. It comes out really wicked. 
That's actually an interesting thought. I was thinking about that as I was looking at this box because I mean some some of the stuff in there like it's a it's a mix, you know. It's just like you know he was trying to get rid of some stock that he had, and uh, so some of it is just I mean epic. Like I would only clear stabilize it, but some of the other stuff I'm like ah this might look good with some dye in it, but how how many hate letters am I going to get for dying koa? I don't know. I dye koa all the time. I, I'm I'm on the same page you are with the curly stuff clear all day. Like I'm not going to mess with those curls. They're so beautiful as it is, but if it ends up being straight grain or close to straight grain, there's no issue with, I have no issue with dyeing it. Uh, I will say the black works really well. Purple works decent and red works really well. Uh, hmm. cause it comes out kind of maroonish coppery. Uh, don't do blue cause it just comes out as like a ugly, muddy, brownish, greenish color. <laughs> so uh, don't do blue. Okay, fair enough. It's it's you know that's one of the things that I find fascinating because I follow a number of different guys that stabilize wood um, themselves, and I can't remember who. I th- oh, actually, I think it was Mad Scientist. Um, he posted three different blocks that were you know similar types of wood, but he used them in the same exact dye or the same dye bath. You know when he was doing a stabilizing, and they came out three starkly different colors. And I think it was like a greenish tone and there was like a blue one. There was like a green one and then like something kind of in between. It was crazy just how the different woods take the dye so differently. And the way that, you know, you anybody who's messed with color palettes before knows when you're mixing different colors, you know, the different combinations that you can get. It's crazy yeah. just how much how much tone is in the wood to begin with and how that affects the way that it takes the dye. So one of the things that I've been uh uh, been trying to do is because there's tons of guys selling stabilized wood, right? So, uh, and I don't want to sell the exact same thing that everyone else is selling. So I've been trying uh, to branch out into some species that I don't see a lot of other guys uh, doing the dye on. Um, and yeah, there it, it definitely gets interesting with some of them. And I, I have a whole little chart now that I keep track of on what woods will take what dyes. So like uh, Paduke is a great example, right? It's an orangish reddish colored wood naturally dyes naturally beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I sent it in and got it dyed several different colors that I thought made a lot of sense. I was like, all right, if it's reddish, you know, I could do some purple. I could do some orange. I could probably do some blue because blue and reddish would probably create like a purplish kind of look. And I always do black. I always want to see what woods can dye black. If you take Paduke and you dye it black, it turns like this golden gray color. Like it's mostly gray with a golden shine. I have no idea how that works. It's absolutely beautiful. And I've started substituting it for everything I used to use bog oak for because it's like shiny bog oak. It's just, it's awesome. It took the purple beautifully. It's like this beautiful sunset purple. The red looks beautiful, reddish, orangish color. The blue turned to straight up poop brown. It is hideous. And I'm just like, I I got nothing. I don't understand why, like, I was so spot on with a couple of these colors and then the other two just went the opposite directions of what I thought was going to happen. You just, wood is so random like that. Paduke. That's interesting, huh? Yeah. That, that Paduke is one of those ones that you just, you, you don't see a lot of uh, for the most part. I, no, I've seen some I, cool blocks, but I was super stoked to figure out the black dye on it. So I've, I'm going to do a lot of naturals, purples and blacks and that and give up on the blue. Cause that was a failure. <laughs> yeah it's it's weird how woods take like i've got a bunch of silver maple that i've been stabilizing and when you when you do it clear it turns like this nice amber you know brown natural color but like black 
it it's almost like a gray wash. Like it doesn't come out black, black. It comes out like this nice gray hue to it. Yeah. Um, it's strange. I mean, maples like that in general. You can send two boards of maples from two different trees and one of them will come back totally black and one will come back light gray. And you're like, I same species, two different trees. I don't know what happened here. Yeah. I mean, stabilized all the way through to the core. It's just the dye for some reason and some wood just doesn't stick. Yeah, it's or fascinating it, or, to work with. Yeah, or it, like you said, it washes into a whole different color and sometimes isn't what you wanted. But yeah. One other thing that I've seen that I really think is, is fascinating and really cool is I've seen some quilted maple. Uh, actually, the, one of the first sets of scales that I got from uh, Rob's Wildwood was a set of curly, or not curly, they were quilted maple and it was dyed this vibrant blue but there were certain edges around those quilts that didn't take any dye at all so you've got this bright blue with like this orangish tone little swirls or the almost like little halos around the different quilting curls and it was just the coolest freaking thing i've ever seen i've seen one or two other people manage to come up with that cool combination but it's just a random piece of wood that just that's that little section wouldn't take dye. I've got a couple blocks from John Luke like that, where there's just little circles of undyed, not like filled in circles, but like a circular outline. It's like someone was trying to highlight things on the piece of wood. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Awesome. Well, Ryan, why don't we, um, why don't we hear from one of our sponsors really quick? And then let's play some where in the world is Florida, man, Florida, man. Uh, shout out to Maritime Nice Supply. We hung out at the New England School of Metalwork, and I, r I rode in his BMW. He's the, he's the coolest. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Eh? <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Uh, I... Quick shout-out about Lawrence. Is I actually recently bought a couple of tools from him from Nordic Edge. Um, I heard honor on fire and steel talking about how much he loved those nordic edge tools and i had a couple people recommend their um oh what is it the file guide um and so i got one of the big mert they have one that's uh, designed by mert tansu and uh it's a just basically a giant file guide and i wanted something like that for doing integrals because i've been trying to do that obviously and uh, so i got one of those and i got one of their uh handle tang brooch tools as well and i gotta say man the uh, the quality of those tools seems really high and they came in these like little fancy boxes with a magnetic lid that like shuts closed and everything and i don't i'm one of those people that's like a real big sucker for like quality packaging like if you if you impress me with a package i'm just gonna buy it just for that and they definitely fit the bill on that one so go check out the uh, the nordic edge stuff at maritime knife supply Presentation is everything, man. Marketing 101. Are are they the ones that are making that knife vice that's like the Cadillac of fucking knife vices? 
Like it's got the plate you can bolt the blade in and then you can thread screws up through the plate to straighten the blade out. I don't know. I don't know anything about um, is that. Is that them? I think it probably is because I think that's what Honor was talking about was the the jig that he was getting or that he got and he was talking about how great it was. Um, but I'm not sure. Um, so I actually we have the return of this or that because I know some of our listeners absolutely love this or that. And we haven't been doing it lately because we've had other stuff going on. Um, do you guys want to play a little this or that? Or do you want to do Florida Man? Up I don't know you. what this or that is, but I'm down for whatever. Okay, it well, is, we're going to do... What's that, Ryan? It is It is them. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, you're good, um, man. But it is them. They've got... It looks like one, two, three, four, five... Five different attachments for the knife vice for different purposes. Oh, no, I thought you were talking about a bevel grinding jig. I'm sorry. No, no knife vice. Like yeah, for hand, okay. for hand sanding because that's my thing now. Because I was wrong <laughs> for, for five years. Before so we get it, actually, let me talk yeah, about that real quick. Because let's do that. I want to apologize to everybody because I have been wrong for a long, long time. I've been anti hand sanding blades. I was fucking machine finish. You're wasting time. And then I hand sanded a blade. And I was like, fuck, it's so much nicer looking. And and I don't I don't mean to toot my own horn here, but I would like to point out that I called this on the last show when we were talking to Ryan about hand sanding his the the collaboration blade that we're doing. I told him as soon as you put a nice 600 grit finish on that blade and you see how it looks, you're going to want to hand sand every blade from then on. And what happened, Ryan? I yeah, I've done like four since then. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah, it, it's uh, I think I'm not afraid to admit when I was wrong and I have been wrong this whole time. And I apologize. Machine finishes have their place, EDCs, things like that. But if you're doing these flat chef knives like I'm doing or I've got radius sanding sticks from cage daily on the way because Fuck I do yeah. a lot of because I do a lot of radiuses. And uh, but on a chef knife, it's the way to go. And I so when I had done it before, I was not nearly as good at grinding as I am now. And so it was taking like hours and hours and hours to sand one blade. So I just like in my head, I would fucking just wrote it off. And uh, now with my if I go up to like two thirds of the way up through my progression on a machine finish and then it only takes me I can start hand sanding at 400. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Kyle makes some pretty sweet tools all around. Uh, that guy has some really neat stuff that he sells. Kyle Daly. Yep. I have almost every everything that Kyle makes. So all I need now is the file guide, the uh, filing kit that he makes. Yeah, I got one of his little resin baskets that he sells for holding the uh, G-Flex. And it just, it sounds so dumb. And I, even when I bought it, I was like, this is probably a waste of money because I just always had my bottles leaning against things. And I have to tell you, for the for the amount of money that I paid for this little 3D printed basket, it's so nice to just have somewhere to just chuck the bottles in when I'm done instead of having to try to like balance them. Well, I've got my gloves covered in epoxy, trying to <laughs> yeah. glue all this stuff up and inevitably dropping them at some point and getting resin on the floor like... It's just such a basic idea, but it's so nice in the shop. <laughs> Do you have one of those, Noah? I, I bought one from him at Blade this year. I should have. No, I didn't. I need to get it one. It comes with 
So he gives you two separate tops for it. So if you only run big bottles, he can have four big bottles. Do you know what I mean? Or that yeah. one that he's got. That's the one I use where it's got the two big and two little. I need um, one with, with two small because I only use the small bottles because I have so many different types of epoxy that I use for some stupid reason. So I need one that why? has like. Because I'm stupid because because I'm <laughs> I, I already said that, you know, like I have. Well, here's here's what I have. I have the regular G flex. I have the G flex five minute and then I have the CEC 30 minute. And between those three different types, I always have something that meets the needs at that particular point in time. Oh, I just run long set all the way. Yes. Well, that that would be everything. the smart thing to do. Yes, that, that is the smart <laughs> way to go. Throw away your five-minute epoxy and then get one of these baskets because five-minute epoxy is no good. I can't remember who it was, but somebody when I first started making knives said, do you know why they call it five-minute epoxy? And I was like, because it sets in five minutes. And they're like, no, because that's how long the epoxy lasts. I was like, oh, okay. That I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen on my page. I do. I probably do a video about my hatred for five minute epoxy once every three or four months. It's a mm-hmm. big thing for me, and I still have people who will battle me on it all the time. It's just that that's one of my biggest tenets. I hate five minute epoxy, and I've tested it, and I can tell you, it is not nearly as strong as the long set stuff. I I've just like fallen in love with the with g-flex epoxy like i've used a bob smith industries gorilla glue seat corp all of them and there's just something about the viscosity of g-flex that i like maybe it's because i do a lot of hidden tang so i can literally pinch yeah for sure pinch pinch the cup and just pour it into the hole and yeah yeah i think with how many scales i do i probably go through one of the big sets of g-flex every month or two so damn yeah, that's a lot of a, epoxy. I'm on a heavy rotation. Who do you but get I mean, yours from? Amazon. Amazon is that the cheapest place for G Flex? No, that's because I don't order it ahead of time, and I get in the shop and go, "Oh my god, I got to do a glue up tomorrow, and I don't have any more G Flex." So uh, the Amazon factory is eight minutes up the road from me, so I can get it the same day. Oh, yeah, no, I that's I'm, slick. I'm sure there's better options if I prepared ahead of time, but, uh, you know, convenience <laughs> and, and poor planning. Yeah. But yeah, I want to apologize for that, for being wrong all these years. And I want to thank Noah, Dennis Tyrell, and especially Nick Tobin of Pickle Cutters, who's been pushing me to hand sand for two and a half years now <laughs> since I met him. He's like, yeah. So sorry, guys. I came around. <laughs> it's all part of the progression man yeah all right sharky this is a game called this or that and sure. i'm going to give you two options i have a list of options here or a list of different questions that i'm going to ask you and you have to pick one of these i'm putting you in a box there are no other options you have to choose the lesser of the two evils and we're going to do this fast paced we're going to go at it and you're just going to have to give me your best best answer are you ready okay i'm ready night flying or daytime operations daytime Tiny toy helicopter or giant inflatable helicopter? Giant inflatable helicopter. Scandy grind or full convex? Full convex. Cheese grater blade or a rubber chicken blade? Cheese grater blade. Carbon steel patina or stone wash? Carbon steel patina. A spatula blade or a banana peel handle? Spatula blade. 
Helicopter with whoopee cushion seats or a helicopter with a clown horn? Oh, clown horn for sure. Leather sheath or Kydex? Leather. A butter knife or lightsaber? Lightsaber. Hand forged or CNC machined? Hand forged. Would you rather have super speed or super strength? Super strength. Would you rather talk to animals or speak every language? Talk to animals. Human would you rather have <laughs> Would you rather have a rubber duck army or a sock puppet army? Rubber duck army. There we go. Whew. I did a pretty good job of keeping my brain turned off on that one. You, bro. you did so good. That's, <laughs> that's that the best the anyone best has one. ever done. No one has ever been that fast and concise. Sharky yeah. is now the champ, like heavyweight champ of the world of this or that, because everybody else overthinks it. And they're like, but what if I don't like whoopee cushion seats? And like, <laughs> but I also don't like clown. Like you just like rattled them off. Boom, boom, boom. No hesitation. That was perfect. I'm a very uh, opinionated person, so it works. <laughs> uh, the butter knife or lightsaber one got me for one second, and only because I was just looking at this thing that I have sitting in the office here. But my buddy Joel from Grit City Knives made me this. Oh, my gosh. He took nice. a butter knife from a restaurant and threw some scales on it. And if you can't read the plaque, it says, Flying Shark Knife Scales Can Make Any Knife Look Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Made this and sent it to me. So that was the only one that almost got me, but I'm a Star Wars nerd at heart, so lightsaber still wins. That's badass. Those of you who are just listening to the audio version are missing out on seeing that amazing butter knife. It's the yeah, best butter knife I've ever seen. Go to the it YouTube was. and check it out. I, we forgot to do the this or that intro. I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's right. Oh, well. Whoops. All right. Let's 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 go ahead and we're going to go through another game here. Get it out of the way. Um and then we can talk about something serious after that. Uh, we're going to be playing Where in the World is Florida Man? I have three stories in front of me. Sharky, Ryan, and all you lovely listeners at home get to guess where in the world is Florida Man? All three of these stories are entirely true. They're factual. They actually happened. The goal of this game is to guess whether this was actually a Florida Man in Florida or to guess where else in the world was Florida Man when these things happened. Gentlemen, are you ready? Ready. Of course. Men arrested for taking turns shooting each other while wearing bulletproof vests after drinking. According to the affidavit, a deputy with the county sheriff's office first interviewed uh, David Ferris after he was admitted to the hospital late Sunday night. The man reportedly had a red spot on his upper chest, but tried to concoct an elaborate cover story for the injury. Police said that Ferris claimed an asset had paid him $200 for protection. He said the other the, the pair met another man at around 10 p.m. and ended up in a gunfight. The 50-year-old told the deputy he was hit multiple times, but he returned shots and fled in a car. He said he was taken to the hospital by the so-called asset. Later, he admitted making up the tale in an attempt to protect his friend. Wow. Uh, I actually have a similar story. <laughs> <laughs> well, this um, one didn't happen in Maine. I'll give you that much. I don't think it was Florida. I saw that article and I don't think it was Florida. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I'm going to concur with not Florida. I feel like uh, we need to go a little bit more Midwest. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say a little bit more redneck and a little bit less Florida, but I would guess really? Kentucky. Mm. 
Ryan, do you have a state guess or you just want to just mm. stick with not Florida? I'm thinking maybe not Midwest. We'll go Arkansas. Oh, that's a good one too. Hot diggity dog. Arkansas it was. <laughs> good job, Ryan. Nice. Well done. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, all right. So next up we have squatters create quote meth island complete with four-story treehouse a welcome center and a trampoline the island according to the video posted by the county sheriff's office is dotted with various handmade wooden structures including an elaborate four-story treehouse and other huts made out of what appears to be old lumber and tree branches the video shows squatters have attempted to decorate the island by painting hearts on beams of one structure, hanging old license plates on structures like paintings, installing a trampoline, and a sign directing visitors to the island's welcome center. Do you believe that these meth island squatters are from Florida, or where in the world is Florida, man? Okay, I got an important question, though. Okay. Do you have to do meth to visit? Because if the meth is optional, I kind of want to go check it out. I want to go yeah, to a uh, tree fort island. As long as they're not violent, rapey meth heads, like, let's go. They painted hearts everywhere. Sounds like they're pretty chill. They so, should start charging rent. So here, here's the thing. There there was actually a, there, I, I guess the, the sheriff's office posted this on like Facebook or something. And there was a debate because some people liked the island the way that it was. And the sheriff's office was being you know, trying to kick these people out because they were squatters. And there was a debate between people who were like, no, no, it needs to go back and be beautiful. And other people were like, no, it's bomb. Leave it the way that it is. <laughs> so you weren't the only person that thought that, Sharky. <laughs> I, I am going to go with Florida on this one now. What's your reasoning? Um, well, for starters, Island. So I'm going to stick with Coastal. And I don't know. It just sounds like something you'd find in one of those places where it's like just off the coast, but not really off the coast, uh, you know, so, so you can paddle out there or whatnot. That's all I got. Okay. I'm going to go not Florida, because if it was Florida, the local government would just burn it to the ground and move all the homeless people away. I'm going to say restore it. No, no, I don't think that. They have the patience of a place like San Francisco or L.A. You know what I mean? I, well, if I'm it was San say, Francisco or L.A., they wouldn't have tried to rehabilitate it at all. It would just stay the way that it was. <laughs> That's true, too. The but government would have taken it over and charged admission. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go off the West Coast, somewhere off of California. All right. So, Shark, you saying Florida. Ryan, you are saying not Florida. And Sharky's got this one in the bag nice. because that is absolutely Florida. And Ryan, you chose, I, I thought I would get you with this one because it's called meth Island. And usually there's anytime there's the word meth involved, Ryan always guesses Florida. Florida. <laughs> uh, I, and I thought and, you were trying to get me. I know. I know. That's why that's, I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> well, I guess it worked because. I was yeah. like, nah, Noah wouldn't make it that obvious. Meth Island. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one. Here we go. Uh, Walmart bans woman for riding electric cart guzzling wine from a Pringles can. The unidentified woman was first spotted around 6.30 a.m. on Friday, and workers finally called the cops on her around 9 a.m., the Times reported. Police say they le later found the woman who wore a blue jacket and black jeans in a nearby restaurant and told her that she was banned from Walmart. Was the Why? wine 
bottle in the Pringles can, or has she poured the wine into a Pringles can? That's what I'm wondering. See, it was unclear from the article. I wasn't able to... I was also curious about that. I mean, you never know. People might want some Pringle-flavored wine, but... Yeah, salt and vinegar-flavored wine. Can, <laughs> yeah. can we can we send out a, a homework assignment to the listeners and have someone who has Pringles in their house test whether a Pringles can actually will hold water? Because I'd like to know the answer to that. I feel like we've got one or two people that could handle that. You know who you are. You know, you know who I'm thinking of. <laughs> And I need you to I need you to find out this for us, Neil. I mean, um, people who might do that. <laughs> it's important well, to know. I, know. I gotta know. I know Brian House likes wine a lot. Maybe he'll be willing to take one for the team and drink some out of a old Pringles can. Yeah. We'll see. It's for science. All right. We for this science. Is a scientific method. That's right. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go Florida on this one. I am too. Both of you it are going seems, Florida on this one? Yep. Seems very Florida y. It does indeed, but instead it was actually in Texas. Ah, that makes you, sense too. You, you guys want to, I left a clue in for you guys because the story wasn't that interesting, but I decided to leave in this clue here. Police say they later found the woman who wore a blue jacket and black pants. Who Why wears is that a, a jacket in Florida? Oh, that's valid. Texas it's, is hot too, isn't it? Parts of it. I mean, Texas is huge. There's cold parts of Texas. There's hot parts of Texas, but it is never cold in Florida. She's probably confused because Texas has the drive-thru liquor stores. So she probably thought she was in a drive-thru liquor store. That's probably what it was. Although I'm not sure Mm -hmm. how you spend between 6.30 a.m. and 9 a.m. I mean, that's a few hours riding around on an electric cart drinking wine out of a Pringles can. Like you must be having a real good time. She's living her best life. In the Walmart parking lot. Like, good for you. All right. Uh, that one was sent in by our very own Luke Johnson. Thank you very much for contributing to the show, sir. Um, and then the the Meth Island was sent in by Minuteman Forge. So thank you, sir, as well. And then I came up with the Arkansas one. Um, just a quick reminder to the listeners. Um, there's a very few rules when sending in stories to the show. And I'd just like to remind you of what those are. Um, no bestiality. Uh, no sexual assault of any kind. Uh, no, uh, what's the other one, Ryan? Uh, cannibalism, dismemberment. Um, no bodies in suitcases. Yeah. Um, and we're very disappointed that we have to remind you guys because all these things come into our DMs. (laughs) Yes. Mostly Noah, but... (laughs) You guys have made me look at some horrific shit over the over the, the last few months is what I'm trying to say. Um, but the point is, is that some of them that you've sent in that are extremely inappropriate have actually been extremely funny at the same time. So while maybe not main show appropriate, I've saved up some of the ones that are actually funny. And this week in the after show, so as soon as we're done recording the main show, those of you who are patron supporters of ours, you will get to listen to some of the the after show worthy stories that have been sent into me. And I, I, I cannot stress how enjoyable some of these might be while not being necessarily main show appropriate. So if you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash hustle and grind for as little as $1 a month. You can get every single one of our after shows past and present. You get access to all of them. If there was one, you know, way back and you're like, Oh, I really wanted to listen to an after show. 
sign up now and you'll still be able to go back and listen to it. Um, I think we'd like to take this opportunity to shout out some of the beautiful people that support us on Patreon and give you all the the love that you so richly deserve. Ryan? Yes. Uh, We're up to 43 patrons. Dang! And starting from newest to oldest, we've got Ben's Cuts Knifeworks, Brad at Brad's Customs, David Burke, Donovan Shelton, CJ Miller, Bob Gore, Reese McVicker, James Buck, Matt Bicker at DIY Europe, Matt Baldwin at Baldwin Blades, Brent Dignam, which is Cross Peen Forge, the guys at Ameribraid, Bird Forge, that's Travis Haynes, Colin of Hayworth Handmade, Jeremy Ballaball of 419 Forging, Wood by Moeller, Alexander Sloat at Devlin Forge, Brian Hunt at Hidden Roads Forge, who we're going to talk about in a second, Will from Maine, that's spruce.hill.studio, B-Cone of B-Cone Knives, Jared Weaver at Weaver's Custom Metalworks. His Instagram is the master of metal manipulation. Neil at Maximus Knives. Ira Housewert. Timber Tiger Forge. Darren at Stormlight Forge. Eric Andrews. Jared at Echo Blades. Brian Henningkamp. Driver Defense Knives. Crafty Man Forge. Noel Bloomberg. Maritime Knife Supply. Zachary Sowell. Trucks Claire Custom Cutlery, Dennis Tyrell, Todd Harrington, Bex Armory, Mark Vanderwerf, Mark LeBlanc, Brigham Kindell, Aru Bladeworks, KnifeMaterial.at, and Donnie Dulovich. Damn, there's some some excellent makers in that in that list of people. We appreciate every single one of you guys. Thank you so much. We love you all. You guys are so amazing. <laughs> I made, I made that joke about the payment, like uh, shouting out the payment declined section <laughs> and somebody messaged me and they were like, shit, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I forgot that I changed my card <laughs> and That's awesome. I didn't even notice. It's I would never good. do that. That would be the dumbest and coldest thing I could ever do. Well, so I wanted to shout out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, let's just move on from this awkward situation here. Um, now nah, we're, we're all good here. Um, Sharky. Yes. I apologize for what I'm about to ask you, but I, I need to ask you this. Um, this is just a personal matter for me. Um, how soon till the donut ones come out? Oh, they're sitting on the desk here right now. Uh, it's my next drop. Oh, the next Hopefully- no- it's the next one that you're going to do. Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. we were still one away. Okay. <laughs> nope. Donut drop is next. And then another high class drop after that fancy natural colors and all that kind of stuff. Um, I am hoping to get them ready by for next weekend. Fantastic. So all the listeners go ahead and shut your ears off. There's no donut drop happening. Um, those are all mine and you can't have them. So definitely don't put your notifications on to you know see when sharky's next drop is yeah i just got to figure out exactly how i'm going to do it because what i actually made so i have the three different donut ones and then i took a space the extra spacer stuff from each one and put it in a set of really nice quilted maple um Mm -hmm. so each donut set has a matching quilted maple set 
Um, and I'm toying with the idea of selling them as matched pairs, but I have to figure out if people would be willing to buy two sets at a time because, you know, 80 or $90 versus $160 is a big jump, but well, I don't, I don't know if that's the issue or if it is so much that the clientele for somebody who wants to buy a classy quilted maple set might be slightly different than the clientele who wants to buy a donut themed set with sprinkles in it. That is valid. Also the, where my mind went on this one was that most of the donut ones from last round ran into kitchen cutlery. Right. Um, and so I always like a matched pair of kitchen knives. You know, you get the chef boy and the utility or, you know, the mm-hmm. chef boy and the cleaver or something like that. Um, but you're right. It is probably uh, more likely that they do better individually. But I got to look at it. But either way, next weekend ish. Fantastic. That's awesome, man. So uh, if anybody has no idea what we're talking about, uh, a while ago, Sharky put out a set of donut themed handle scales where one half of the scale was basically sprinkles in resin that just kind of looked like, you know, the, the classic like donut emoji with like pink and sprinkles and stuff. And, uh, it was pretty hilarious and awesome. And I almost bought a set. I was like seconds away from clicking the buy button. And I was like, what am I going to use that for? Like, who's going to want like a donut themed, you know, chef knife? Like, would it be hilarious and awesome? Uh, pastry chef. Or, you know, and, and here's the thing. And, you know, it was what it was right when I was like in in the in the throes of my addiction of buying many sets of scales. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, no I'm going to show restraint. And I showed them to my wife later that day. And she goes, why the hell did you not buy those? And I'm like, oh, I should have just done it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I, the one time I showed restraint, it was stupid. So I've been waiting for months for this to happen again. So I apologize to the listeners for having to listen to my dribble about it. So I'm mildly obsessed. I'm looking forward to it. I think they're pretty cool. I went a little bit different direction this time with them, and I think they came out super dope. So nice! I can't wait to see them. I saw some of your kind of like preview pictures that you you posted about them, so I'm really excited to see how they turn out. Um, I do have to shout out one individual. So I have been we we talk a lot about um just in the community general lately about streamlining processes and um getting you know blanks cut out you know water jet whatever it is um last time we had the boys from meribrate on here we were talking about um their laser service so hd laser i think is it hd laser service i think yeah and uh so that's owned by the guys over at meribrate and uh kevin was talking this actually might have been in the after show so i don't know if the, the the main show listeners know about this um but they actually cut out blanks and I've always thought that water jet would be a lot better because you're not dealing with any sort of like heat area along the edges of the blade or anything like that. Um, but Kevin was telling us that the, the heat affected area is actually really, really small. Um, so when I reached out to the guys that the HD laser services, they said it's about 30 thousands of an ish of a, you know, a heat affected area. And they do tons of knife blanks that are all laser cut. And 30 thousandths is really not that much, especially when you're talking about the imprecise nature of most knife makers. I mean, that's really just like one swipe on a belt, you know, and boom, you're, you've got that heat affected area gone and you can just go ahead and heat treat your blade without any concerns. So what I did to get this going is, uh, I'm fairly computer illiterate. So I reached out to Brian Hunt at Hidden Rose Forge to see if he could help me out with my CAD design. 
And not only did he do an amazing job of helping me out with that, but he also is going to start offering his CAD design services for all of you people out there who are similarly computer illiterate. So if you are interested in having one of your knife designs turned into a CAD file and you just don't have the wherewithal to do it yourself, reach out to Brian Hunt at Hidden Rose Fours on Instagram. He's going to be charging $30 per design and a discount for multiples. So if you have different models that you make and you want to get a couple of them turned into a CAD file and either send them out to, you know, New Jersey Steel Baron, or if you want to do what I did and get a blazer cut, um, he's also going to be offering heat treating. Um, and he has cryo, which I know is an issue for a lot of people. So this would be a great way to get your stainless heat treated in a really solid fashion. So he's going to be offering heat treating, um, $25 a piece for one to four blades or $15 each for four to 20 and then $5 extra for cryo. Um, his cryo is limited to just under a two inch heel due to the size of his doer. So, um, keep that in mind guys if anybody's interested in getting their heat treating outsourced um or some cad design reach out to brian hunt at hidden rose forge he did my cad files for my new edc drop the signet and the signet runt and it was the easiest process ever it literally took him like 20 minutes at the most it was awesome he's got skills yep and if anybody wants to grab one of those the signet or the signet runt you can reach out to me 150 for one, or if you get three or more, they're 125. You can choose black or canvas micarta, black or brown canvas micarta. They're all going to be 80 CRV2 stonewash. It's not negotiable. People want less options. So, okay, so I want to kind of get back into the stabilized wood talk that we were talking about a little while ago. So, Sharky, you, I'd say probably within the last year, launched your website. You were previously just selling just on Instagram, and you really opened it up to doing, like, mono wood blocks and scales. What was, because initially you were just doing segmented, what was sort of the, the tipping point in that evolution where you decided to, to branch out into doing <clears throat> other stuff as well? Um, that's a great question. So it was a little bit twofold. Um, one part selfish and one part for the community. Um, it is very challenging uh, as someone who needs large quantities of materials um, to consistently pick up whatever's hot on the market. Um, at the time that I started getting into this, uh, it was the grays and blacks, right? Everyone was into the grays and blacks, the sinister murdered out, what are, you know, different makers call it different things. Um, they're really hard to get from a lot of people because they sell quick. And I didn't have a lot of time to sit there watching guys' drops and trying to claim some of these blacks and grays. Um, I needed a more consistent source. And so I decided to start sourcing some of my own um, black and gray stuff uh, just so that I could make sure that I had a consistent supply. Um, in the process of doing that, uh, I realized it didn't make a lot of sense to just get a little bit of wood stabilized for myself. Um, so I started looking into getting it sold and that's when I kind of picked up my niche in the market. I feel like pretty much every wood supplier out there takes the time and I totally understand why. And I understand why some makers really prefer to buy this way, but takes the time to perfectly flatten and buff and shine their wood uh, before they list it online. And they're like, Hey, look how pretty this is. Right. And I get that. Um, <clears throat> But when the person you're buying your wood from does that, you're paying them to do that, right? 
And so I saw a market of guys who are a little bit tighter uh, on the pinching of the pennies um, or are just uh, know that they want to do the flattening themselves because they don't trust that whatever wood they get is going to come perfectly flat anyways. So why pay someone else to do it if you're operating on a budget or you're just going to reflatten it anyways? Um, and so the wood that I sell on the website, same stabilizing process as most of the big name suppliers. It's KNG stabilized. It's high quality wood. I cut it on the bandsaw. Make sure that the cuts are pretty dang flat, but they're definitely not going to be perfectly flat. Spray it with Windex, take a picture, and that way I'm able to sell it for a few bucks less um, than the guys who are taking the time to flatten and polish it. So there's kind of a two-headed approach here. I wanted to be able to get some materials out to the community at a little bit of a discount if you're willing to you know, do that final polishing yourself or I guess more of that final flattening before you put it on the knife. And it gives me a more accessible uh, line of wood so I don't have to spend so much time trying to battle people on the drops from other suppliers. That's really smart. And we've, we've kind of talked about that on, on the show before about how different suppliers do that. And I know I've, I've picked up a few different blocks from you in, in that case. And it's, I mean, we're talking the same quality wood, like, like you mentioned, it's all KNG stabilized. And that's pretty much all I will use is because I just love the, the way that KNG does their stabilizing. And you are able to pick up just the same quality wood and it's way cheaper, and especially guys like me who are part time and we don't have as big of a, you know, a clientele as some of the guys that are full time. You know, we can't really afford to be stockpiling that level of, of <coughs> wood all the time. So if you're able to pick up those blocks that have been, you know, stabilized the same way and have like, you know, one side sanded so you can see the color of it and just pick it up and you know all that's going to get ground off anyways i mean you, when you it's just it's just so you can look at it and get a good idea of what it's going to look like in the finished product but all that's going to get ground off anyways when you're shaping your handle yeah I, honestly that's what gave me the idea is i was using a set of wood from another wood supplier that i and, and I just want to be really clear. I don't have issues with any of my competitor wood suppliers. We just are doing things a little differently, but I was using a set of wood from one of the other suppliers and I'm a little bit, you know, anal OCD when it comes to making my scales. And I was taking their wood and lapping it on the granite board to make sure it's perfectly flat before I, you know, glue everything up. And I was like, man, I paid this dude to flatten and polish this wood. And then I'm taking it and flattening it again that seems excessive. What if someone was selling stuff that I wasn't already paying them to flatten? And I was like, Oh wait, I could be that guy. I can do that. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. The, and we just recently uh, in the last month or so started expanding outside of wood too. So we, I've got a whole new page for composites, um, adding some of the stuff. There's some resin composites and stuff on there, but also some of that stuff that seems to be a little bit popular in the community, but no one seems to really know exactly the best way to get it, like Corian and that kind of stuff. Um, trying to get some of that stuff up there to make sourcing a little bit more consistent for people. You want to buy some micarta? <laughs> I have a lot of micarta, but I'm always interested in getting more and putting it on the website. Hold on. <laughs> Here he comes. Here comes the block. This this block comes out almost like every other show. <sighs> I've got more than this left, but oh, nice! It's still got the live edge on it, which is totally useless, but it looks cool. It does look cool. That looks pr 
like it's been around <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vintage. It's kind of hard to work with, but I've got a bunch of it left. So I probably got, I don't know, 120, 130 pounds of it. Jeez. That's a bunch. So speaking of the resins and stuff, so at, at Blade Show, you were working the, the Raffier booth. Is, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yep. So are you uh, a, like affiliated with those guys or how, how does that relationship work? Because I know you use a lot of their materials in your scales and stuff. And I've seen that you've worked their booth a couple times. What is uh, what does that relationship look like? Um, I would call it a loose sponsorship. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, slash friendship, really. Uh, I, so I used, I've been using Raffier products for several years, primarily their mammoth. Uh, I'm a firm believer of the fact that their mammoth is the best mammoth on the market as far as its strength and durability, um, based on the way that they stabilize it. They stabilize it a little differently than some of the other companies. Um, so I've been using their mammoth for years. When I moved to Albuquerque, they're up in Santa Fe, which is like a 45 minute drive for me. So I went up and visited them. Um, and we, bonded over knife making stuff. Um, and they asked me to start working their booth at the show. Um, as a contingency to that, they asked me to start using some of the other materials that Raffier at the time had just started getting into like their composites and their stabilized woods, which I was hesitant to because at the time I was not a huge resin guy. I, I wasn't a big fan of the idea of the resins with the metal mesh in it. Uh, but they were going to pay for me to go to Blade Show. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, I mean, yeah, you know, for, for the, a plane ticket, I'll mess around with some other materials. Um, and since then, I, I mean, I, you know, they pay for me to go to Blade Show. So there is some financial incentive here, just to be clear. But honestly and truly, I have fallen in love with their products. Um, I really enjoy their, uh, the resin and metal composites that they do with the mesh and stuff in them. I think it's such a classy look uh, and it's very flexible because they have so many different color and metal options, uh, which are a lot of fun. And their stabilized woods, it's a, a little bit of a smaller selection, um, but they have some really neat stuff too. And the fun part is that since they're a Euro uh, based in Europe, it's a European based company, it's a little bit different woods than you see uh, a lot around here. Um, so instead of a lot of the uh, maples and oaks, uh, they're working a lot with the birches and the beeches. And so just a little bit of a fun variety and they're very well stabilized. They're almost like a waxy uh, feel to them. Like they're very smooth. Like the bandsaw doesn't go through it. Like when you're cutting wood where it's kind of hitting the grains and jumping around, they're so resin impregnated that it just goes straight through them. It's really weird, hmm. but kind of nice. I really love birch. Birch is a super common wood here, but it doesn't burl that often. Yeah. And it's just when you can get like a nice curly or quilted birch or a burl birch, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And that's what they have a lot of birch burl and curly birch. Um, and then a lot of that spalted beach, which is a lot of fun. I do love some spalted beach. I will say I've got a few, a few sets of scales that I've got of that. It's, it's a unique look to it for sure. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, spalted maple looks lovely and all, but I feel like beach of all the woods takes the spalt lines like the hardest. Like they are dark, black, thick spalt lines when you're working with beach, and it's really neat. It also almost ends up looking like a map sometimes. Mm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I know. I've, I'm thinking of one that I've got, and it's it's exactly <laughs> like that. It's just kind of like woven in through the through the grains, and it's 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 crazy. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I noticed when I was uh, checking out the booth at at, uh, at Blade was their you mentioned their mammoth. I was really surprised at the the price point that they are able to sell their mammoth at. If anybody out there is really big into to, to mammoth in segmenting or, or however you do your scales, Raffier seems to have, I think, pretty much the best price that I saw at Blade for for their mammoth tusk or tooth or whatever whatever it is. Um, I was I, I thought maybe it was a uh, like a resin reproduction of a you know something to made to look like mammoth and i asked you at the time i was like this actually mammoth for i can't remember what the price was but it was it was shockingly low compared to what a lot of people sell that stuff for yeah yeah they have really good prices um and real quick while we're on this topic uh there is a new material that they just came out with this year that i'm super stoked on i used a little bit of it for blade so anyone who's been watching uh was watching the run-up to blade got to see some Actually, I have a piece sitting right here for the guys watching on YouTube. Um, but oh it's, yes, it's actually volcanic ash that has been uh, stabilized and reg- resin impregnated, um, <clears throat> and I, it's just such a cool look. And every piece is a little bit different. Uh, I got a big stack of it when we came back from Blade because I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go nuts with this stuff." Um, but it's a really nice. It kind of gives that fossily look. But it's even you know less than the mammoth, so it's a nice halfway in between for guys who are trying to branch out into some of that exotic and history-filled kind of stuff. I don't know how you mine volcanic ash, other than I know it comes from the bottom of the ocean, um, or who came up with that? Like who was like, let's swim down to the bottom of the ocean and dig some shit up and then put resin in it. I don't know where you get down that trail, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, so for the audio listeners only, it, it it does have a lot of, of the look of when you see uh, like stabilized coral. Yeah. Um, it's a real unique look, and it's really cool. I remember seeing that at Blade, and I don't know how I came home without some. I'm actually really surprised by that because I really do love the look of it. And I've seen, I think I've seen some pictures on on your page maybe of of some of it. I did like five or six sets in it right after Blade show, and I've got okay. another right. batch coming out sometime probably in a couple months. Is that one of the wow. sets that you've got glued up that you just haven't finished yet? The one that I was just showing? Oh, the, uh, the, when, at the top of the show, oh. when you were talking about how many sets you have glued up but not finished? Uh, no, the, the, uh, it's called Hot Springs. The Hot Springs sets haven't even made it into buckets yet. That's how far back they are. They have been gotcha. conceptually designed and then put in stacks for later. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Nice. Well, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing those because, yeah, it's a super cool material. I love the way that it looks. It's very unique. And I mean, I've seen some sets that people have done with that, the, the stabilized coral, and it's so freaking cool. But price wise, I mean, it's it's a very you know, kind of exotic material, like you were saying. Um, so it's difficult to to budget for that. But something that's, you know, more of a, like a cool resin like that might be a little bit more affordable for people if they're looking for that sort of thing. Yeah, I want to say we were we sell the scale sets of this uh, hot spring stuff for only like sixty five bucks, so it's a little bit more than a, a regular set of wood scales, but not nearly what you're looking for for other fossils. So, yeah, for sure, especially if people are going to be doing their own segmenting. I know a lot of you guys out there that are listening to the show do your own segmenting. I mean, you buy one set of scales, you can get 
two at least, maybe even three, depending on how you do the segmenting. It would be a pretty cool spacer material if you were really selective about what piece um, you were using for that. That's what I do. I cut an inch off the top, and then I have spacers for two sets of scales, and then I cut the rest of it in half and use it. So I get two uh, two bolster pieces and two spacer pieces. There we go. Got to be efficient with your materials. I love it. Yep. Did Ryan, we forget to do our uh, Phoenix Abrasives ad? We did. I, well, we didn't forget. We just haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. Well, Let's we go ahead and yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, we're an hour and seven minutes in. I, I would call that a forget. Sorry, Greg. We love you. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, Click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Yeah, buddy. All right. I'm actually about to do that very thing. Um, I just have one more quick thing I need to shout out before we um, before we end the main show. Uh, Ryan, was there something you wanted to get to before that? No, just everybody go shoot me a DM and buy my EDC. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, for those of you who were listening uh, last last week and if you've been following my social i'm still doing a fundraiser uh for my buddy rodney that has cancer um he's out of surgery he's recovering really well um but he still has to do some radiation and uh immunotherapy so that's going to be a, a bit of a long road for him still um so i'm still doing this this uh fundraiser for him and there is a pretty big update if any of you didn't see uh my reel that i posted on social media uh i was i committed to doing a leather sheath, even though I've never done that before because I wanted to make this kind of special. Well, good news for any of you who have entered the fundraiser. I'm not doing a leather sheath, but you know who is, is uh, Tortuga Bladeworks. So I got a message the other day from Brian Hinnenkamp. He wanted to go ahead and make a leather sheath for this fundraiser knife. So I sent it off to him and he's he's we've been DMing back and forth with some ideas this is going to be a badass sheath. It's not, it's not going to be some stupid, simple little thing that I was going to like throw together and try and make good enough. This is going to be a badass sheath. That's going to go uh, with this fundraiser knife. And for that reason, because I had to send the knife off to him, I'm going to have to extend it. I had previously said that it was going to run until the 5th of August. I'm going to have to extend that out to give him time to get that sheath done and get that all back to me so that I can kind of promote it a little bit more. So I'm not sure exactly when, um, the fundraiser will end maybe the 12th, maybe the 19th. Um, Cause I want to end it on a weekend day so that people can watch the live drawing. So there is still time to get in there. Um, if you go to my website, there's a place where you can purchase tickets. They're only 10 bucks a piece. It's right on my uh, homepage and at riverforge.square.site. Um, or you can go to my social media and see that I have PayPal. I even, I made a Venmo just for this. Um, you can Apple pay me, you can do whatever. Um, if you want to get on this fundraiser, uh, I really appreciate everybody who's already uh, bought into that. Um, I know he's just going to have a crap ton of bills and he's going to be out of work for, I would say a minimum of two months at the very least trying to get this cancer out of his body. So that's all I had to say on that. It's really exciting. I can't wait to see the sheath that Brian makes. It's going to be phenomenal. I know it is. Um, and huge shout out to Brian at Sortuga Bladeworks for, for 
for stepping up and doing that. I really appreciate it. The community is, as always, freaking amazing. So thank you all for that. Um, and that's all I have on that. Sharky, is there anything else that you would like to talk to the lovely people about before we head on over to an after show? Um, so the, the only thing that I think I'd like to say is I am looking into doing a, another one of my build along series, um, where I, uh, kind of go step by step on how, uh, how I build a set of scales. I know there's been a lot of interest in that in the past, um, from people. Um, and I do have a YouTube now, uh, that Ooh. Was, it's really bad but it exists because <laughs> um, I'm not really smart on how to do YouTube. However, I am uh, planning on doing it on my YouTube so that I can do more than a 90 minute video for each step and actually walk people through how I'm doing that. So two things on that. Number one, if anyone has any hints, tips, or that kind of stuff for how to YouTube, please feel free to send them my way because I'm a lost and confused child in the big land of videos. Um, but second of all, uh, there's a link to my YouTube on my page. Uh, so if you are interested in seeing how I make my scales from start to finish, picking up some tips and tricks, I've made, uh, like 2,200 sets of scales now at this point. Um, so if you're interested in learning a little bit, uh, go give my YouTube a follow, uh, because that's where I'm going to post them this time. Nice. Very cool. Are you going to be posting clips or anything in reels or, or? Anything like that? Yep. I'll do little quick little video clips of each step in the reels for people who just want to get a quick view, especially, you know, some of the steps is pretty easy to figure out what I'm doing just by looking at the setup. So I'll have all that kind of stuff in my reels, but the details on how and why I do some of the stuff that I do will need a little bit longer video. So that stuff will be on YouTube. Very cool, man. That's awesome. Awesome. That's a whole new space where you can get some sharky goodness. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. terrifying, but here we go. (laughs) Um, touching on Noah's note real quick before we go, I'm holding off on raffling our collaboration knife that the proceeds are going to go towards us getting new mics and stuff until he's done with his fundraiser raffle. If somebody wants to reach out to me and offer to buy that knife before the raffle, cash is king. I'm not going (laughs) to say no to you. So feel free to reach out. Um, and you can see Noah and I both posted that knife. Um, came out pretty good. Yeah, Ryan did a badass job on that. I anytime I've, I think I've talked about this in the past, but anytime I do a uh, a sandmai, particularly the stainless sandmai, I'm too chicken to actually leave some uh, some rough forge, like a brute to forge finish on the top of the spine. And Ryan absolutely knocked it out of the park with that blade. He did such a sweet grind on it, where you can still see some of the forge marks. And he put a badass Koa handle on it with some really, uh, really cool Mokume uh, bolster on there as well. So if you haven't seen that knife, just go over to mine or Ryan's page on Instagram and check it out. It's pretty dope. I just looked at it. It's pretty nice. I keep looking at it and like holding it and being like, do I want to get rid of this? (laughs) Could I keep this one? No, I'm not keeping it, but it it came out great. Shout out to Noah Vashon. Um, when I ran into him at the New England School of Metalworks, we were talking about that knife, and he gave me some pointers on how to get the forge scale out of the divots without taking the divots away. 
speaking so. of sh- shout outs, I mean, you're, you're talking about that one. The the fundraiser knife that I was just talking about, uh, that has uh, a block of black dyed uh, maple, spalted maple on it that I got from Sharky. So speaking of him throwing out blocks there that are, you know, unsanded or unfinished for, you know, those of us who, who were looking for that sort of thing, that's exactly what that piece was. And it is a phenomenal piece of 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 maple with all different kinds of like colors and textures and nuances to the handle. The more you look at it, the more you can pick out of it. It's really cool. And that was from Sharky. So there you go. Yeah. And it was like sub 40 bucks. Yes. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things you can find when you go on Sharky's website. So one more plug for Sharky. And I think it's time to switch over to an after show. And uh, thank you to all of you who are going to be there to listen to the R rated uh, version of, Fake news. Awesome. I'm looking so forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. Everybody have a great week. Keep on hustling. Keep on grinding. Bye.